Hello everyone, Cecil Martin here. Hey, this is Hunter Henry. What's up, man? This is Max Crosby, part of Raider Nation. Hey, this is Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman. Hey, it's Tyler Lockett of the Seattle Seahawks. Hey, this is Jerry Judah, wide receiver for the Denver Broncos, and you're listening to the 14-yard NFL podcast. Welcome in everybody. This is it then, the bittersweet week, the week we've been playing towards the best and worst week of the season as we know it comes to an end, but obviously the big game to end it all. After 17 regular season weeks and playoff competition, it's the Chiefs versus the Eagles in the big one. We're here to break it all down ahead of the big game. And as you can see, if you're watching along and you're here very shortly, if you're listening in your regular audio format, we've got a bumper lineup tonight. So I'm going to get straight into it and invite everybody in. So let's get the neutrals on first. Josh, how you doing, pal? Yeah, not bad, mate. I've just spent the last hour or so playing kicks uh, six aside and essentially just getting kicked into the dirt. So this will be a nice, uh, a nice change of pace, really. <laughs> well, indeed, mate. Yeah, we promise not no physical violence, no kicking on this podcast, mate. So you are indeed. I oh, know Liam's in attendance. <laughs> well, that's true. It could get spicy later. Dave, been a while since we've had you on the podcast, mate. So good to have you back on, mate. How are you? I'm oh, good, thanks, Sean. Uh, yeah, sort of make my uh, yeah, return after God knows how long. But I will be dedicating the next hour to verbally kicking Joss into the dirt. <laughs> <laughs> it was Dave all along. It was Dave all along. That's the man to look out for. I've got for. the heavies out for him. <laughs> And uh, we said last week we would no doubt get these two fellas back, and we have indeed. Steve's obviously been a regular on the podcast all season long, so Steve, welcome in, mate. How are you tonight? The Super Bowl is upon us. It's finally here. feels like we've been doing podcasts for about eight years this year around. Um, <laughs> but here we are. We're finally here. Super Bowl week. We're, uh, everyone's gearing up to the big game, and I still can't call it. It's uh, it's going to be a... No, a he doesn't sound psyched enough. For a man that's got his team in the Super Bowl, he does not sound psyched <laughs> enough whatsoever. <laughs> It's too much regularity, right? They get there too often. It's like Liam is sitting there all smug and quiet because this is becoming like, you know, everyday occurrence for the Chiefs fans. Liam, how you doing, mate? Yeah, I'm good, thanks, mate. It feels a privilege to be on a Super Bowl podcast with two Browns fans, so I'm happy to be here. <laughs> <laughs> Should be a good pod. Hopefully, right, right, right. Uh, hopefully I'm more up yeah, there's the we'll kick. See. Yeah, we will see as we get into it. We're going to put the Super Bowl to the back burner though, just for a couple of minutes just to round up the news because there have been some pretty significant things that have happened this week NFL-wise. So a couple of head coaching hires to bring you up to speed on. D'Amico Ryans, it was almost confirmed on last week's pod and he was umming and ahhing and we said it looked likely he was heading towards Houston. That is indeed his direction of travel. Obviously much sought after, probably the in-name in terms of the coordinators this year. So the man that was the San Francisco 49ers defensive coordinator and led that unit to be the number one in the league, etc, etc. He is on the move to Houston. Can he last longer than one season? You would like to think so. Um, you know, that's been the case, though, in Houston in recent times, hasn't it, since Bill O'Brien was shown the door? Um, so, fingers crossed, it works out differently for D'Amico. It seems quite an appealing job, though, in terms of plenty of cap space, obviously some good draft capital to play with, um, you know, and a few decent pieces on the roster already. 
Um, the one that was probably more newsworthy, though, Sean Payton, obviously now back in the NFL. Um, interesting, we've got Dave on the pod as the Saints fan, because obviously not very often that coaches get traded for draft compensation, and certainly not very often retired coaches get draft compensation, Dave. So you must have been quite chuffed when this one went down. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I think um, what the Saints got back for him is more than fair enough. Um, I think it works out well for everyone, really. Until Russell Wilson continues to be a disaster. Yeah, well, I was just going to say that. And Josh, obviously, at the start of the season, I was stupidly high on Russell Wilson. I thought he'd make a real difference. Um, I thought it was an excellent trade at the time, despite the price that was paid. Obviously, you can look back in hindsight now at how foolish that prediction ultimately ended up being. But I think Dave's just kind of summed it up there. There's no more excuses now, is there, mate? I was amazed that Denver still had some draft capital to actually move and get Sean Payton, to be completely honest. But they've obviously swung for the fences, and like I say, there are no longer any excuses, are there? Well, no, there's not. And the one thing that is interesting when you look at, you know, what they gave up, you know, we're looking at a first, a second and a third, you know, which is probably all they had left, like you say. Um, what that says to me is Denver firmly believe that Nathaniel Hackett was the problem in Denver and that they have a roster ready to go and, and you know, win it all. Their window is now. Their window is already closing um, and you know they've gone all or bust, which means if if this doesn't work, then Denver's probably paying in the two for probably the next what five years, six years. So you know it's in, it's certainly interesting times for Denver. I think that we'd all you know very much be be happy with Sean Payton as a head you know to head coach our teams. You know even the successful ones. You know, he's a great coach. Do I believe he's worth a first, second and a third? Um, I think I value draft compensation a bit more than others. So uh, I was raising questions more than others um, on that particularly. But um, I tend to believe the time is now. It's as, you know, can he get Russell Wilson going? Can anyone get Russell Wilson going? You know, that's going to be the main headline next season. And, you know, you've still got the juggernaut that is the AFC West minus the Raiders. So... You know, there's there, there are so many question marks here, so many excuses that the Broncos could make for not living up to expectations, but they've given themselves no wiggle room now. So, yeah, interesting times for uh, the Broncos next season for sure. Yeah, Liam, it's obviously a team in your division. So, I mean, just get your view on it quickly. You're obviously going to come up against them twice a season. I think, yeah, we, we, we hark back to our preview pods that myself, Steve and Josh rattled through about eight years ago. I think it was, as Steve said, when we started previewing <laughs> this season. Uh, and we all said how competitive we obviously thought the AFC West was going to be. It ultimately didn't necessarily end up that way in terms of it was the status quo and the Chiefs certainly were the cream of the crop in that division. Um, but how do you sort of see this trade affecting things in terms of Denver next year? Yeah, I think it should improve them. I'm a big fan of Sean Payton and himself. But like Josh said, I probably value draft capital more than the average fan. So it's quite a lot to pay when you've got a lot of free agents this year. Denver aren't the youngest roster in the league. Um, so yeah, I think overall it's a good step for them. I think Russell Wilson, you can cut him in two seasons. And I think once they cut him in two seasons, then this team's going to be very, very good because I think Sean Payton is that great of head coach. But I'm not expecting there to be massive improvement on offense, but at least he'll be able to organize things and get the roster better than, than it was last season. 
Yeah, certainly one to watch. They'll certainly be hoping they haven't got to cut him in two seasons because that really will be a disastrous trade if that's the way it ends up playing out. But like you say, it might be a case of cutting the losses if we do indeed get to that stage. Um, we should talk about then, fellas, another quarterback, and that's the one that has ultimately confirmed he has retired, apparently for good this time. We will wait and see on that little caveat. But it does feel genuine. It does seem as though it is the end for... Tom Brady, it's always easy in hindsight, but maybe he would have been better to have stuck with his original decision last year. I think it, it seemed throughout the season as though it was just one step too far. Um, and it's always a bit of a shame to see someone who many consider to be the greatest of all time sort of seemingly be on the decline. There'll be plenty of people that took plenty of um, pleasure from that, though, shall we say, after he sort of terrorised plenty in the AFC East for the best part of 10 to 15 years. So it is a shame, though, in general terms. I mean, it's going to be a strange old world. I can't remember watching the NFL without Tom Brady being in it. Um, so it will be a very, very strange season coming up. But Steve, like I say, arguably the greatest of all time. I know obviously people look at this differently, but I mean, the statistics are certainly backing up in terms of what he's won and all of those type of things. So, yeah, I, let's put it this way. I don't think it's any uh, any doubt he'll be a first ballot Hall of Famer in five years' time, is it, mate? No, even, even prompted people to start saying that every team should retire the number 12, which was the most <laughs> ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my entire life. But... But although someone did suggest that maybe they should name the Super Bowl MVP after him, which I think is yeah. more of a reasonable suggestion, given yeah. the impact he's had on the Super Bowl. But my favourite um, instant in this whole scenario of Tom Brady finally retiring was the guy who went to the beach where he posted his video, <laughs> took a jar of sand, put it on eBay, and last I saw it was on for like $30,000. Just I think we went to 100000 yeah. Just from the beach where he did the video. It's a beach, guys. There's tons of sand there. <laughs> oh, unbelievable. Yeah, no, it is a it is a strange, uh, like I say, it will be a strange one to see see the game without him. He obviously moves to for, for Fox in terms of broadcasting. I believe the plan was for him to join the commentary teams, but we'll wait and see if that transpires. Um, we've talked quite a lot in the full 10 yards group chat about commentary teams recently, so I'll be interested <laughs> to see if Tom Brady improves or um, or declines people's um, opinions of Fox's coverage of the NFL. But yeah, certainly one of the greats. We'll probably speak about it more on a separate podcast, um, possibly throughout the off-season, because obviously he probably deserves a bit more time than we than we want to really give it tonight, because we do want to get on with the Super Bowl. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll circle back to Tom Brady at some point in the future. And that means, fellas, there's just one more news thing I want to cover off and talk about something that doesn't deserve any time whatsoever, the Pro Bowl games. I'm sorry. <laughs> I may well be in the minority. I've heard nothing but praise in general terms for it, but for me, it was just absolute garbage, as I expected it, it would be. It was garbage. It, it was wasn't bad. Come on, compared to the standard Pro Bowl, this was an improvement. Oh, you you just don't know. like the Pro Bowl in general, then? Well, that's, that's possi- that is possibly true. Well, fellas... I've made my view quite clear, so I don't think I need to expand on my uh, my defence <laughs> yeah. there. So I'll, I'll very quickly just get your takes on it. Dave, what was your view of you? You're a man that likes offence with your fancy head on. So did you like flag football as a concept <laughs> for the Pro Bowl games? The flag football was absolutely rubbish, but I enjoyed all the other stupid little things that they were doing in between the flag football. But it, did put, it literally put me to sleep. Uh, I woke up on the sofa towards the end of the third game. I just thought, oh, that's probably the, all I need to think about 
the flag football games and the Pro Bowl. It, it was a bit boring, but I did enjoy Jalen Ramsey completely lighting up Tyreek Hill. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Even though I think it was an accident. Yeah, so so you mean the Resources only part of the game the same, you like yeah. was two people actually hitting each other, which is what the Violent NFL talks about. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Been the Pro Bowl, Liam. Quick to get your take on it. You're you're laughing away, so I guess you're kind of a, kind of in my camp. I'm hoping when I, as I bring you in tentatively. Yeah, I'm in your camp. I think if you're going to do games in the Pro Bowl, just make them actual games. I want to see how far the QB can just throw a ball normally. I don't need to see water balloons being thrown across the field. I want to see Tyreek Hill racing 10 people. I want to see Tyreek Hill racing people backwards and see if he can beat them. But yeah, I don't really care about water balloons and hit the targets and stuff like that. But um, yeah, I didn't have to say I didn't watch any of the flag football apart from the highlights on Twitter because I was kind of done with there at that point and just waiting for the Super Bowl but um, I did see Tyreek Hill and Jalen Ramsey arguing about it on Twitter so that was that was fun but yeah, they're never going to get rid of it because it's a bit of a money spinner but I think if you're going to do it just make the games a little bit more realistic even though I know it's probably for kids so <laughs> no one's here is probably yeah. the age group that they're, uh, they're targeting <laughs> Yeah, no, that's that's probably a fair comment. It is, it is a strange one. I mean, look, like I said, they've tried to do something different with it, so credit to them for that. I think there's been enough negativity about the Pro Bowl in its usual format for the last few years, hasn't there? So I suppose they've at least tried something different. We will wait and see how it comes back. And uh, let's hope Miles Garrett's dislocated toe doesn't cause any problems after he uh, jumped off a hurdle <laughs> in one of the gut in the uh, relay races. Anyway, let's get on to the proper stuff, the stuff that really matters. That is, of course, the big game that's headed our way on Sunday night, early hours of Monday morning, of course, for the uh, for the UK fan. Well, it's 11.30 kickoff, isn't it? So technically it kicks off Sunday, but it'll certainly be early hours of Monday by the time we are done. So, fellas, like I say, it's a late night. It's an early morning. How are you feeling? What's your, what's your plan in terms of watching it, guys? Because I've always thought this. I'll sort of sit there every year as a neutral, and it's one of those that you can you know, you know can enjoy it. But on the flip side of it, if you've got something really important at work the day after, or you know it's the missus' birthday, or whatever it may be, you, you know, you're not too concerned if you've got to just get up and watch it the day after or whatever. But obviously, if it's your own team, I, I, I can't even begin to think what it would be like if the Browns get there. Probably because they never will get there, so that's why I can't think about it. But let's say they ever did. I dread to think what I'd be like. So, Steve, I'm intrigued. What's your what's your plan for Sunday, mate? Are you watching it alone? Are you watching it in a group? What's what's the ritual? Yeah, I always put the Monday off work, so that's never a problem because um, it's, it's a ritual now. I've watched this for the last, God, 15 years, maybe not 15, 12 years or so. Um, and so I always put the Monday off work so I don't have to worry about staying up late. Um group of friends that we always get together and do it and this is the first year where we're all living away from home with partners and such so finding a venue this year has been difficult but we have sourced one so we do make a weekend of it make some american food and all that sort of stuff and it all accumulates at the game on the sunday night um but the problem is, is if your team's not in it, sometimes it'd be difficult to stay awake when it's like quarter to three and the second half's just kicking off. <laughs> and you're like, this is not my normal time to be awake. So um, for the neutrals, I can certainly appreciate that it can be a bit of a, a bit of a slog, especially if it's a game like the Rams-Patriots um, one a few years ago that was an absolute snore fest that was difficult to get through. So let's hope we have a, a, a Super Bowl like the Eagles-Patriots rather than the, the rams um um, the Rams Patriots because that was absolutely dreadful. Um, but no, I always make a big weekend of it. Get a load of friends that watch it every every year, um, and uh, we all get together and, and and watch the game. I guess um, we don't go to a pub or anything like that. We prefer to host it in someone's house um, and do it that way. 
Well, apart from the fact that my invites obviously got lost in the post, it sounds like great fun, mate. So I hope it is a, a cracking evening in this venue you've sourced. They, is it fellow Eagles fans, or is it, are you the only Eagle? No, no, no. We've got uh, we've got a Cardinal, we've got a Panther, a Patriot, a Giant, a Brown, um, so we, and, and a Seahawk. Although he doesn't always make it, but yeah. So there's a there's a there's a wide array of fans represented across the league, and it's quite a cool that we all support different teams as well. I actually don't know any other Eagles fans, um, so oh, no, I don't know any other any other Eagles fans. I think Philadelphia is quite a a, a rare team in the UK. I find for, for yeah, fandom, yeah. Mm. Um, it's not one of the more popular supported teams. Certainly not like New York or Miami, uh, the, the pop- or even Cleveland. Actually, I know quite a few Cleveland fans. Yeah. Um, I think because of the Villa link. But um, no, it's it's always good. It's always good. I always make some food. I, I make uh, our Sunday evening tradition is chili dogs, so I'm sure they'll be on the menu again. Sounds good. Sounds good. Liam, how about you, mate? Are you uh, are you flying solo or are you with a group? What's what's your plan for Sunday? Yeah, so I'm still trying in a dream world to source a ticket because the people that own the <laughs> the people that own the Cardinals uh, own the company that my brother-in-law works for. So I'm still trying to uh, source a free ticket because he can get a free ticket, but he can't get two. So. I'm trying to source a ticket. I went to the one in Miami. Um, I didn't go to the one in Tampa, obviously, because of COVID. Um, but yeah, it's unlikely because 24 hours ago, I looked at my passport thinking, right, I need to book some tickets if I'm going to do this. And my passport is nine months out of date because of COVID. Oh, so, so I'm going to be fighting against it. But in terms of watching it, I've been invited to um, Dublin for the with the Chiefs fans. There's loads of group going there to, to Dublin. But I am one of these fans that just cannot watch football with other people so if i'm not going to the game i have to sit at home and just focus on the game i can't be in a pub surrounded by neutrals because that'll just do my head and when, when the other team scores so yeah i'll probably be flying solo this year um maybe not chili dogs it could be chinese takeaway the last minute they uh they stay open probably Sounds good, mate. Sounds good. Well, fingers crossed on the ticket front, mate. That'll be a hell of a story if you can pull that off. It'd be gutted if you get the ticket and the passport lets you down. But, uh, yeah, fingers crossed for you, mate. The, the two neutrals in the uh, in the group, Josh, Dave. Dave, we'll start with you. What, uh, what's your plans, mate? Uh, so me and uh, Mrs. Dave, the Denver fan, uh, will be going to a place, uh, Winchester, we live in Southampton, uh, pub there showing it. Uh, normally we tend to host because of COVID the last few years. We've obviously not gone anywhere. But, I mean, I've been watching, I've, I think I've stayed up for every Super Bowl since 2014, which was the Broncos-Seahawks one. I think. Yeah, yes. the 43-8. Yeah, uh, so stayed up for every single one. It helps that I do shift work, so I'm off work on the Monday anyway. But yeah, we go to a place in Winchester with a friend of ours, uh, so it'd be a Saint, a Patriot, and a Bronco there. Uh, but I sort of take Liam's point about watching it in a pub, because depending who else is in the pub, <laughs> it can get very irritating very quickly. <laughs> I, I remember watching the Patriots-Falcons Super Bowl in all its Glory, <laughs> the only time I've rooted for Tom Brady. Uh, but we were in a pub with uh, a bunch of people, but one of them was a really obnoxious Atlanta fan. And I was still kind of up for Atlanta winning the game. I thought, oh, wow, the 28 3, it's not bad. And then he just turned into a knob. And I thought, here we go. <laughs> Come on, Tom Brady. <laughs> and, uh, luckily, Spike won the day. <laughs> Hopefully, there won't be any of that nonsense this week. <laughs> You've just got a history of running into crazy Atlanta fans in bars, Dave. I remember a happy Sunday this year with with you in a bar watching a crazy Atlanta fan watching the uh, the Carolina oh, God, Atlanta yeah. game. 
<laughs> I forgot you about must, him. You must just be cursed. Right, Josh, how about you? <laughs> what's your plan Sunday, quickly? Uh, so, yeah, I've been watching it since 07, so I don't really have a tradition of sorts because it's all it's always changed depending on my situation. But uh, me and the missus, um, I've just moved in with her, so it's um, all changed again. I think we're just going to have a PJ party and watch it until she conks off to sleep at around half time, and then I'll watch the rest of the game through. Um, either that or she'll decide to not do it at all and I'll just go up to a bar or something. So, uh, yeah, no idea at this point. And got to get a move on, really, haven't I? Because it's Monday already. You haven't got long to decide, mate. You haven't got long. It's all good. It's all good. Yeah, we'll we'll all be watching it one way or another, won't we? That's for sure. Let's get into the actual game itself then, fellas. And let's start with the quarterbacks, um, because often these games are won and lost by the play at the quarterback position. Invariably, the MVP of the Super Bowl ends up being the quarterback of the winning team more often than not. Not necessarily always because he deserves to win it, but it's one of those kind of awards. So, Josh, let's start on the Eagles side of things. Jalen Hurts certainly been his best year in the league. Um, sell me Jalen Hurts a Super Bowl MVP if the Eagles are going to have a good game. No, I was just hoping that you were going to say, what did you think about it? I don't think I can sell you. Um, put it this way, if he's hot, he's really hot in terms of the passing game. And obviously his wheels on the ground definitely help, especially when he's not you know, you know, especially if the passing game is not all that there. The Eagles do like to run the ball quite a bit. You've seen that in the postseason. Um, you, you know, against the 49ers, even they didn't need, did, they didn't really need to do anything through the air. Um, if you actually look at some of the stats, Jalen Hurts' passing stats are quite low when you consider quarterbacks in the postseason, of which you know, you know he's put, he's getting the job done, etc. Um, against this uh, against this Chiefs pass rush, I actually think it's going to um, be more about the ground game than it is going to be about Jalen Hurts himself. So, in terms of selling you, can I can I sell you um, can I sell you a scrambler? Can I sell you um, just a good tactician? Because realistically, that's kind of how I see Jalen Hurts going about this. It's either that or it's going to be about precision. His passing has been pretty precise, um, especially at sometimes this, this year. His passer rating has been brilliant. So, you know, he doesn't throw as much as some quarterbacks, but it is good passing. That's um, that's the way in which they're going to get, get around this uh, Chiefs defense, I think. It, it, the, the passes that they do throw up are going to have to be accurate. They're going to have to be, you know, at the sticks or further. And, you, you know, it's going to have to be complementary football. I know it sounds like a, I know it sounds like a get out of free card in terms of analyzing, but, uh, you know, realistically, they are going to have to mix it up because this Chiefs defense is no joke. You know, we saw that against the Bengals where, you know, you've got a good rushing and passing team. You know, the Bengals are probably one of the best passing teams in the NFL and the Chiefs stifled them pretty much. So, you know, you've got that to contend with as well. So if Hertz does get a chance of MVP come Sunday, it will be because he's got the job done when he's been called upon. And, you know, that is... That is something big for a man of his age, you know. This being his real breakout year, and you know he he would deserve it for that. Yeah, in terms of hurt, Steve. I mean, like I say, he's 
his career trajectory, if you like, has been consistent progression. You know, he's improved year upon year. I think, you know, to Josh's point in terms of his accuracy, it's up sort of six percentage points year on year in terms of his level of completions. Obviously set himself career highs in both yardage and touchdowns. But I think the other thing that's been really impressive is, you know, and, and Josh just alluded to there in terms of his precision, he's only thrown six interceptions on the season. He takes care of the football. Um, and often, you know, you know, again, the whole coach's cliche, isn't it? Win the turnover battle. This this Eagles team, and Jalen Hurts in particular, doesn't turn the ball over a lot. So, you know, by being efficient on offense, Jalen Hurts has given the Eagles a really solid platform all year. And obviously, we're going to talk about the defenses shortly. But, you know, Josh just said the word there, complimentary. Jalen Hurts has been the ultimate complimentary quarterback this season, hasn't he, mate? Exactly. He hasn't had to... to to be the Gower jail free card, so to speak. He hasn't had to be light up the field. That's not to say he hasn't had games where he's been immense because his improvement yeah. this year compared to last year is is sensational. The guy went away at the end of last season. A lot of people saying, I don't think he's the guy. He'll get one more year in Philadelphia and then with the with the three picks that in the first round that Philadelphia were going to have in this um in the draft just gone, people knew that okay, well they've got a draft pick to to potentially go up and get a quarterback if Hurt is not the guy. And um and look what he's done. He's gone away, he's worked hard. Yes, a lot of people will point to the fact that they added AJ Brown, but you know, there's a lot of receivers out there, there's a lot of teams out there that have got number one wide receivers that haven't been as good as this Philadelphia Eagles team have this year. Um and he just he's just efficient. That's what I love about Hurts is he's just he doesn't have to throw for four hundred yards a game. He doesn't have to rush for 150 yards a game. He's just efficient. He's so calculated. He's he's um, he knows exactly how to run to uh, scheme the offense to know how to attack teams and and what the Eagles are so good at. And this is more coaching rather than hurts. Is they take a quarter or so to find out where your where your weakness is and then they just hammer it. Because look at what they did at the, at the um, 49ers in the conference game. The first drive, they went down the field, they scored seven points. And then the next three was was a three and out or I think a, a, a five and out. Like they didn't do much in the next three drives. But then they realized, okay, we just need to run the ball. And so they ran the ball and they scored 35, 34 points against the, the best defense in football. And that's what this Eagles offense is so good at doing. And Hertz is complimentary to that. Like you said, Josh, his, his ability to be a dual threat quarterback, his legs make him a really difficult player to play against. You saw a couple of times in the Niners game when Fred Warner was just stood still waiting to see what Hurts did before he made a move. That's what Hurts has got. And, you know, you get old-style pocket passer quarterback, someone like, for example, Tom Brady, you know he's probably not going to take off. So you know that you don't have to worry about his legs being a factor. Hurts is not like that. Um, and they've got the receivers to make sure that the passing game is still a threat. Because last year in the quit in the playoffs where they got trounced by the Bucks in the first game, that's because they had no receivers whatsoever. This year they've got AJ Brown and Devonta Smith and then Dallas Goddard as the tight end, which is one of the best one, two, threes in the league, I'd argue. So yeah, it's uh they've they've definitely got a um I think he's still a work in progress. I think they've definitely got a good uh, passing offense, but like you said, the rushing game is where this is going to be won and lost. And the Eagles just don't turn the ball over. However, these are the Chiefs, so this is an interesting one. 
Yeah, most most definitely. Yeah, I'm expecting Jan Hurts to, to have a good, efficient game like he has done all season. Like you say, he won't light it up in terms of the box score if you're new to the game or you're tuning in as a neutral for the first time on Sunday. You know, you'll probably hear a lot more about the opposition quarterback before the first ball snaps than you will about Jalen Hurts because Jalen Hurts, like I said, has been a complimentary piece in that Eagles offence, but certainly a huge piece nonetheless. Let's turn our attention to that other quarterback then, and that is, of course, Patrick Mahomes. Um, he's been nothing short of a superstar, hasn't he, since the moment he entered into the league. Um, he's on pace to essentially break every record going if he continues playing for a reasonable length career. Um, another year where he's led the league in terms of yardage, uh, 5,250 passing yards. Yes, it's a 17-game season now, but even so, that's still a phenomenally good um, yardage total. 41 touchdowns again on the year. Um He's just an absolute superstar. Obviously, leading up to this, a lot of focus has been on his health. Picked up an injury in the playoff win over Jacksonville, but battled it out in the win against Cincinnati. He's obviously had another two weeks now to prepare. He seems as though he... I don't think he's necessarily going to be 100%, but he's he's pretty good, let's put it that way. So, you know, he's certainly going to be out there. Um, and obviously, I think we can all agree that probably even an 85 90% Patrick Mahomes is probably better than 80 to 90% of most quarterbacks at 100%. He's just genuinely that good. I feel sorry a little bit for him, Liam, as a neutral from the outside looking in, because he's one of these players that is that good that it's difficult to actually criticise him. And because he doesn't get criticised, <laughs> people then instantly take a dislike to him. It's a bit like what well, we were talking about Tom Brady earlier, isn't he? He's almost that good that people don't like him because he is so good. Obviously, he plays for your team, so you must be absolutely delighted with him. But certainly heading into the season... People said it was going to be on Patrick Mahomes to elevate this team around him. There was a lot of talk with Tyreek Hill going. The offence was going to need to transform. Lo and behold, mate, he's done exactly that. He's had, like I say, a career year. So he's been phenomenal yet again. And you obviously must be excited to see what he produces. The only thing that I find slightly strange is he's only going for his second Super Bowl win. It feels like he's won every one that he's been involved in, but it's only <laughs> he's, uh, he's only won one so far. Don't worry, I would take just winning one. That would be nice. But uh, yeah, a chance to win two uh, as he heads into Sunday. Yeah, definitely. I'd, I'd like to go back and do the Brady one again if we could get some get some <laughs> offensive linemen that are healthy enough to stand there and block would be nice. But yeah, he's had an incredible season. Like you said, I think talk before the season, rightly so, to be honest, with him and Joe Burrow and Josh Allen was defences playing too high. They're not going to let big plays over the top. They're just going to play short, make them go up and down the field. And Mahomes' kind of only criticism, apart from probably stepping back in the pocket too much, was always he doesn't like to check it down. He just wants to throw it over the top and bomb it for 50 yards. Whereas this year, he's been the most efficient quarterback at checkdowns, most efficient at 5 to 10, 10 to 15. And then also, he's had more 20 yard plus completions this year than he's had in any season with Tyreek Hill minus one. So, um, yeah, this is his best season. I know the stats aren't as good as that crazy 5,050 yard TD in 16 games, but. As an actual quarterback, when you look in terms of mistakes made and stuff, for me, this has probably been his best season. And um, a stat that I like is uh, on offense, EPA per play and DVOA, Chiefs are number one, Eagles are number two. But the gap between the Chiefs and Eagles is as big as it is from the Eagles to the Browns in 20. So that's how good he's been. Cheers, Liam. Cheers. Another kick. <laughs> I had to find one Browns-related stat. Nice one. Love you too, mate. <laughs> but yeah, he's had a kind of a season. We'll see. I agree with you that I think he's going to be about 90%, I'd say, in terms of health. And it's the last game in it. So if you're in the second half, you're down seven. 
it's not a game where you have to be like, right, I've got to hold this ankle back. It's going to be a game where look, I have to go for this. I'm not going to play again for, what, seven months, is it? So, um, yeah. yeah, I think it'd be about 90%. But, yeah, like you said, 90% should be enough to make the game exciting at, at worst. Yeah, I have, an in, I have an incredible Patrick Mahomes stat that I'm just going to throw in here at this segment. Um, Patrick Mahomes has started 93 games in his career for the Chiefs. <laughs> I know this stat. In those games, the Chiefs have either held a lead or been within a one score in the fourth quarter, going into the fourth quarter, 90 times. <laughs> 90 of 93 times. That's the Bucks game was one, though. <laughs> yeah, the Bucks game was like the... Was like the, the, the the biggest um, anomaly going. The anomaly, yeah. exactly. That is that is not normal. That is not how you beat Mahomes usually. So, yeah, that's that's what the Eagles are up against. That type of record. Wow. Yeah. And that comes back to what I said at the start, isn't it? He's almost that good that people just dislike that fact. It's as simple as that. It's just it is just professional envy it's just not and jealousy. Fair. Exactly, well, it's as, not fair. Exactly, <laughs> air quarterback can't do that, so it's not fair. So yeah, that, that's as uh, that, as neutrals. Do you guys dis, uh, dislike him out of interest? Because I don't know. I haven't got many friends that do dislike him compared to like a lot of my friends don't like Tom Brady, and a lot of them don't like other quarterbacks like Rogers. But most of them are quite neutral, at least on on home. Yeah, personally, yeah, I'll, like I'll open it up. Personally, I like him. Like I say, I think he's exciting. I think he he's great for the league. You know, I think he carries himself well off the field and everything as well. You know, I don't think he comes across as arrogant or entitled or anything like that, in my opinion. I think, I think like I say, I think he's a great advert for the league person. That would be my view. Dave, how about you? Um, funnily enough, I was ruminating on this over the last couple of days of Brady's retirement and thinking, I used to despise Tom Brady. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I did. I, I absolutely despised him. Uh, well, I think it's because when I was watching the Patriots play, it was... It was a machine. It was. Hmm. It never felt like he was Tom Brady himself was doing something. Wow, highlight real play because they were such a good team because it was coach and quarterback hand in hand. That's the same case of Reed and Mahomes, obviously. But Mahomes, every time you watch him play, you feel like he could do something I've never seen before, and that makes someone a lot more likable when they are just a circus act at quarterback because some. There was a throw he made against Denver, the um, the underhand, just sort of the way you're just chucking a ball to a mate across the room sort of thing, <laughs> except it went to Jerry McKinnon for a massive completion. That, you, don't, you don't see anyone else do that, and therefore I think he that makes him a lot more likeable. You know, that, that Tom Brady obviously seems like a very nice person off the field, as does Patrick Mahomes, but on the field, he's just more fun. And I think that lends itself greatly compared to Brady. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. Josh, I think I, I sort of cut across you, mate, but I think you were saying that you're in the camp of you you quite like him as well, yeah? Yeah, you know, just because he seems to be changing the position a little bit as well, you know, with, with some of the plays, you know, like the shovel pass forward seems to be, you know, his trademark. And I know that that sort of kick-started a new way of looking at passing in the NFL. And, you know, you got some of the trick shots. He just seems to be having fun. In terms of, like, the off-the-field so, you know, he's always seemed super likable. It's the people around him that I've always thought of uh, kind of let him down on that side. Um, but they've been kept very much away this season, I think, purposely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, of which has just, you know, his brand has stonked as a, as a you know, thing of that. So, yeah, you know, he's a likable character. He's playing brilliant football. 
you know, he's in a team that, you know, he, he, he does a lot for Kansas City as well. Um, you know, you can see that emanate, you know, he invests in the city. Um, you know, I think that he's just going to be synonymous with it as well. And you like stories like that. You know, that's the sort of story that you root for. You know, you can see him being there in 15 years' time, and you can see him end up having an ownership stake in the flipping franchise. You know, mm-hmm. you, you can tell that sort of thing's probably coming, if I'm perfectly honest. And, you know, you'd probably look at that and just go, yeah, this is the this is the time where franchise history was changed, was that draft pick. Oh, yeah, most definitely, like you say. I mean, plenty of uh, franchises would love the chance to go back to that draft, knowing what they know now, wouldn't they? So, oh, yes. yeah, most definitely. Um, I'm going to flip the script a little bit, fellas, not to catch you off guard, but as we're talking about the quarterbacks, it makes sense, I think, just to talk about the weapons and then and then we'll circle back to the defences, because we were going to talk defences next, but I think we'll, we'll circle back to that. I think that makes the most sense. So, um, we've talked, obviously, about the two quarterbacks and what they bring, Dave. Let's have a look at the players that they'll be looking to sort of connect up with. Let's look at the wide receivers first and foremost. Um, so take it away, bud. So when I was looking at this, I thought, well, AJ Brown and Devonta Smith as a one-two are better than what have, the Chiefs have uh, on paper anyway. And then you look at the postseason stats for Brown and Smith and it's not, you know, wow, but it's because they've not had to do anything, the Eagles. I realise that you know, the 49ers game was a complete wash. You know, the game was over in the second quarter, and therefore you don't need to be throwing the ball to AJ Brown or Devonta Smith, really. And the Giants game as well was just a complete pasting. But I know you said we we're going to talk about defences later on, but I think what is absolutely key here is if Legarius Sneed can go, if he gets past his concussion, then that makes life a lot easier and for the Chiefs and a lot more difficult for the Eagles because... Otherwise, I'm a little bit concerned about the deep threat uh, that the Eagles have against the Chiefs because I think Brown Smith, one of them, could have an absolutely massive day. On the other side, yeah, the Chiefs receivers are a bit banged up. Um, we're waiting for a proper injury report to come out, but Kadarius Tony and Juju were both injured in the championship game. Hopefully one of, if not both of them, can be back. Otherwise, there's no Nicole Hardman. Uh, so it's Marquez Valdez Scantling, and then we're hoping that someone like Sky Moore and Justin Watson can put in a big game. And I know Travis Kelsey is basically a wide receiver. Come on, he's not a tight end, but <laughs> um, it, it makes things a lot more difficult for the Chiefs. But when you look at Patrick Mahomes, you think, well, he's been able to do it all season with players like Marquez Valdez Scantling, so there's no reason why not. What I'm interested by with the, with the Super Bowl. We, I thought that we always got a big game from a non-star wide receiver. That guy who just has that game. Oh, what's he doing going for over a hundred yards? And I think the last person to do that was actually Sammy Watkins against the 49ers when I think he had nearly a hundred yards in that game. And it did Lee, correct me if I'm wrong, but it did nothing else for the Chiefs, really. <laughs> yeah, two games, the championship game. Uh, two, two, and oh, yeah, yeah, the championship. Yes, yeah, those two games, a three week period where it's whoa, <laughs> and that's it. Uh, or even uh, go back to the Eagles Patriots game uh, two years prior to that, where Chris Hogan had 125 yards. Really? That guy? So I, I'm kind of hopeful that someone like Sky Moore does that. Uh, obviously, Steve won't be, but Skywalker has that kind of game. 
because I feel like that's what that could be key for the Chiefs because they do need someone to step up and Sky Moore, the second round pick, and you know, he's he's had more downs than ups. I know they had the huge return in the championship game, and hopefully he can build on that. Uh, but we shall see. On the Eagles side of the ball, other than Brown and Smith, you know. Are they the team that provides the massive game from the lesser-known wide receiver? But then you think, is is it really going to be Quez Watkins or Zach Pascal? Is that going to be the story of the Super Bowl? <laughs> but um, you know, I would absolutely love it if it was. Uh, hearing Zach Pascal's name in a Super Bowl would be terrific. But I know that the Chiefs are prone to leaking yardage against wide receivers as well. Um, so uh, I mean, it's a fascinating thing because if you. I, I'm going to annoy Steve here, maybe not, but I think Mahomes is a much better quarterback than Hurts in terms of throwing the ball. If you gave Mahomes, Brown and Smith, and I know we're playing fantasy football here, Jesus, it would be be ridiculous. But yet still, I'm thinking that the Chiefs have it within themselves to coach around their deficiencies at wide receiver. Uh, so I am really looking, I'm come on to the DFS thing later on, I am really looking at those WR3s uh, the lesser-known guys to have a big game because more than anything, the Chiefs desperately need it from Moore or Watson. Yeah, like you say, the injury report will be telling money. Obviously, that'll start coming out middle of the week onwards, and and as you say, they sort of managed around it in the back end of the of the Bengals game. We joked last week, didn't we, Liam, that it was certainly Marquez Valdez Scantling's best game as a Chief by some distance last week when it needed to be. So, yeah, you know, I'm sure they'll find ways around it. Josh, in terms of the tight end position, I mean, you know, Dave just said that Travis Kelsey's not really a tight end. I'm afraid so he will officially <laughs> be a tight end. Um, but yeah, you know, the, the point remains, he's obviously, you know, probably the, well, let's put it this way, the most consistent and probably the biggest threat that the Chiefs obviously have in the passing game. You know, the season stats will tell you that. But obviously, Philadelphia got a decent tight end of their own in Dallas Goddard as well. He obviously missed five games, but obviously um, you know, when he's been on the field, you know, again, another one of the the sort of, you know, the top wide, uh, top wide receivers Dave's trying to convince me. <laughs> top tight yes, ends there is. So both, both, got Dave good, yeah, both, both got good tight ends in this game. Now, absolutely. They're fan- I mean, in the case of Philadelphia, you know, Dallas Goddard seems like a fantastic safety valve for them. You know, like Dave said, you know, it's the wideouts that are the main headline and then Goddard's there if you need that outlet and he, and he does well. You know, he averages about, I think it's five receptions a game pretty much in something in the region of 45 yards. You know, that that that's brilliant if you're looking to move sticks and that's what he does really well. Um, you know, I, stupidly enough, both quarterbacks, I'm mean, sorry, both quarterbacks, both tight ends. See, I'm still stuck on the flipping quarterback chat, lads. <laughs> I'm telling you that six aside football was murder. Um, the uh, the, both tight ends have not been like you know, really residents of the end zone this year, even Travis Kelsey. Believe it or not, in 19 games, 10 of them he did not record a touchdown, and I think it was a, I think it was a stretch of six or seven games before the postseason where Travis Kelsey didn't score over a touchdown. But since the postseason started, Travis Kelsey is, uh, you, you know, he's proven as to why he is who he is. You know, he is TE1. Um, you know, he is Kansas City's best weapon. Um, there is no denying that whatsoever. Dave's pretty much right to say he's a wide receiver, but he's a tight end, which means he's even better. You know, he blocks as well as receives. 
and you, you know he, you you can tell that if Patrick Mahomes wasn't going to get MVP, Travis Kelsey would be next in line. You, you know, if if the quarterback was able to have their own award because it's a quarterback award, you know, in terms of offensive player of the Super Bowl, that's probably the best way to put it, right? If you have MVP, which is a quarterback award, and then you had offensive player of the Super Bowl, you know, Travis Kelsey would be the Chiefs' prime person to go up for it. Um, you, you know, so... I, I mean, I can wax lyrical about him all day. Um, Dallas Goddard, I think, will play an important role, especially in terms of how the Chiefs defend. Um, you know, we, we've talked about it already with Hurts. It's about finding where they're going to be able to be to be holes. The Chiefs are able to get get the pass rush onto you quickly. You're going to be scrambling around. You're looking for your safety valve. Dallas Goddard's there. So, you know, I think he's going to have a very important role on Sunday. Um, you know, I'm definitely not in the business of sizing both of them up, you know, Kelsey versus Goddard, because I feel like that would be unfair. But in terms of importance to each offense, I think that both of these are going to be wildly important to each of their off- respective offenses. Yeah, completely agree. Like you say, they've both been pivotal throughout the season. I think the area that I think we would also all agree that the Eagles probably certainly hold the advantage heading into this is, is in terms of the running game. On the season as a team, they've rushed for around 600 yards more than what the Chiefs have. Um, And we talked earlier when we were talking about the quarterbacks, it's probably a more balanced offence. The thing I was a little bit surprised about when I was actually going through the stats for this is I felt it was more of a three-headed attack. But it's fair to say Mo Sanders really has taken the bulk and the brunt of all the carries. He's had 259 carries compared to 54 and 53 respectively from his two running mates in terms of Boston Scott and Kenneth Gainwell, but it's one of those strange attacks, and Stephen maybe will back me up on this. It often feels as though Scott and Gainwell are appearing in the box score and making significant contributions with those small amounts of carries, so um, it certainly is a three-headed attack, and you obviously have to add Jalen Hurts into this running game as well. I know we talked about him specifically earlier, but you know he, on the season, is actually the Eagles' leading rusher in terms of touchdowns. He's had 13 rushing touchdowns and uh, certainly probably the most effective quarterback sneak in the league, it seems to be <laughs> seems to be the case. I've often wondered why they don't just run that play four times in a row and just keep moving the sticks. It'd be boring <laughs> as hell to watch, but nobody seemingly can stop it, can they? So it would be interesting to see. But, um, yeah, obviously in terms of the running games, like I say, very traditional ground game from the Eagles. The backs as a whole don't get massively involved in the passing game either. Um, there's only been 43 receptions, sorry, 48 receptions shared between the three of them. So it is very much a traditional running attack. Slightly different for the Chiefs. Isaiah Pacheco has, has come in as the seventh round rookie um, and has performed well in his role. He's been the primary ball carrier, 830 yards on the season for him. Um, but Jerry McKinnon's been the sort of surprise addition in terms of that running game. And he's obviously much more active in the passing game. Um, he's had more receptions himself than those three Eagles combined. He's actually had 56 receptions and nine touchdowns. Um, he seems to be one of those ageless players, doesn't he, that bounces around and always finds to carve himself out a bit of a niche role. Um, long gone are the days where people were um, looking for Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. He's now very much a bit part player, I think that's safe to say. Um, but certainly, like I say, the Chiefs with Pacheco and McKinnon got an excellent one-two punch in terms of the traditional sense of a, a, a proper sort of grind in between the tackles runner and that change of pace back receiving. 
we've given a bit of an overview there, fellas. I'm going to come to you both to sort of just give your view on your own teams and your, and your weapons, Liam and Steve. We hopefully have done them some justice there. You might be sitting there thinking, "God, they're being a bit harsh on these uh, <laughs> on these players," but uh, hopefully we uh, we haven't upset you too much. So, Steve, let's start with you in terms of the Eagles. Just give your overall view on on the weapons, the offensive weapons at your disposal come Sunday. Yeah, I think this this game is is the the story of the quarterback versus the roster. I think the Eagles have the better roster. I don't think that's an argument, to be honest. But I think, obviously, the Chiefs have the better quarterback. And what Patrick Mahomes... And it's not just the better quarterback. It's the best quarterback in the league. Like, what Patrick Mahomes can do with that ball is is uncontested with any other guy in the league. So, it's one of those games where it's going to be two very different offences in the sense that the Eagles are going to look to their playmakers to make the big plays. They're going to look to AJ Brown. They're going to look to Devonta Smith. They're going to look to Miles Sanders on the ground. They're going to look to um, Dallas Goddard. You know, they're going to look to Jalen Hurts to maybe to to scheme up some some designed runs and that sort of thing. And the other thing with Jalen Hurts, just to, just to chime in on your rushing conversation there, Sean, is that Hurts is not like a lot of other traditional quarterback runners, like a, like a um, some of the guys that you get around the league where they will they might rush for, for sort of six, seven, eight yards and then they'll slide. Hertz will go into a challenge with his, he'll drop a right shoulder and he will fly into that challenge. And he's a big guy. Like he's he's a bit like Josh Allen in the sense that he'll get himself another yard or two after the contact. So he's good at that. He's not afraid to go into a challenge like that, um, which is which is really, really good and which is why that QB sneak is so, so efficient. Um <laughs> But the uh, the the under the the weapon that the Eagles have got that we haven't even mentioned yet, which I think could be the most important weapon in the entire game, is their offensive line. Um, PFR had the only offensive line in the in the league where all five of them are in top uh, top ten. ten rated in their position uh, is the Eagles. Um, Jason Kelsey is almost like a sixth offensive weapon. The way the Eagles use him. Um, He's such an incredible center. His, his ability to create running lanes and to 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 jump out the side and, and go out, be find himself on the edge, creating a blocking lane for for um, Miles Sanders is incredible. And you know, uh, guys like Lane Johnson, who's not allowed a single pressure, I think, all season or, or, or close to Jordan Mailata, who's had a quietly really really good season. You know, the guy that came over from Australian rugby and is now. The six foot eight monster who you know just swallows up pass rushers on the uh, on the left side. Like this, this Eagles offensive line is incredible, and is and is a lot of the reason why Hertz has got so good because he knows he's got time. He knows this line is going to help him to be able to find his targets and find his reads downfield. Um, so yeah, that's going to play a huge part of it. And on the Kelsey, just before I hand off to Liam, on the Kelsey thing, one thing that we haven't mentioned yet. Is that on the uh, on their podcasts? The Kelseys have got their own podcast now, the New Heights podcast. This week, Donna Kelsey has committed to doing the coin flip uh, at the start of the game. <laughs> She's in; she wants it. So I would love for the NFL to do that and to let them do it and to get her out there. And to, yeah, please to get her through the coin flip because this is the. I know it's been mentioned an awful lot this week, but this is the first time that two brothers have ever faced off in the Super Bowl, and they're both offensive players, so they won't actually be on the field at the same time. Um, but it's the first time that two brothers have ever faced off. And the chances of that happening, you know, two brothers even making it to the NFL in the first place, but then both going to the Super Bowl with two separate really good teams and playing against each other is incredible. So I'm looking forward to that as much as anything else. 
At least you won't have to fly across the country this time to yeah. see the fourth player. <laughs> no, absolutely. Yeah. Now that they have got to, they have got to follow through with that, haven't they? Surely, surely they have got to follow through. Well, with yeah, that. you'd you'd think so, especially when you consider what the NFL wants American football to be for the future. You know, it's about you know the kids. It's about you know elevating it from you know just having a throw about with your family, with your friends, etc. You know, that would be a real commitment to you know this being a family game this being a you know that sort of feel that that would really bring that home as to whether or not they'll do that over some sort of corporate nonsense is uh, <laughs> to be seen but you know uh, that would definitely be the brand spot yeah, I, no, uh, I'm sorry sure i I do believe, however, uh, I'm going to make you seem like such an arsehole now, Josh. Uh, rather be a corporate spot, it's uh, the Pat Tillman Foundation. Um, no, I'm going to be doing it. Uh, do, fair do enough. Fair enough. No, 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 that's fine. If it's a charitable thing, not, fair. Not some corporate nonsense. That's all right. Then. That's cool. That, that's all right. Then they found a third way. <laughs> no, fair dues. Liam, I'm going to throw it over to you. I mean, fair play to Steve for mentioning the offensive line because that, it's one thing, and to be fair, that's on me as the uh, the man that sent the agenda out today. It's one position we didn't actually cover, but <laughs> you mentioned it yourself earlier when you were talking about that previous Super Bowl and the fact that how much of an impact it had on the game. So the offensive yeah. line is huge, and that's obviously an area that the Chiefs obviously retooled straight away after that Super Bowl specifically for that very reason, wasn't it? Because we all remember that game, and like you say, it was just... It was just a game that Mahomes was under duress the whole time. He was under pressure seemingly on every throw and ultimately, you know, the Chiefs sort of never were able to to get recovered. So talk us through the offensive line and then, like I said, just a quick overview on the weapons right before we flip it over to the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, the Eagles have definitely got the best offensive line. If you look at their backups, we were, what, one first-round pick, one second-round pick, I think, in the backups. Um, for me, the Chiefs have got the second-best offensive line um, in the NFL. So it's quite an interesting battle, really, in terms of how good both pass rushes are against two really good offensive lines. Um, so, yeah, I think in terms of the Chiefs' offensive line, the interior is much better than the exterior. Uh, th- definitely be a day that you're more likely to see the tackles give up pressures than you are. Creed Humphrey, Trey Smith and, and Joe Tooney. Um, and then similar to what Steve said about Kelsey, Andy Reid loves a screen pass and he loves a screen pass against good pass rushers. So I would expect to see Creed Humphrey doing his best Jason Kelsey impression Maybe a little bit quicker as well with being what ten years younger. So um, <laughs> yeah, we'll see. I think I think that's both in terms of both quarterbacks. They need their tackles to to hold up because Lane Johnson's been injured as well, so he needs to to hold up on the edge. Um, in terms of Chiefs weapons, yeah, I think it's quite obvious that Travis Kelsey's the man. I think if you take away touchdowns, which obviously Gronk is a beast in terms of like hundred yard games, receptions, um, three like three plus receptions in a game, touchdowns. Minus Gronk, he's only trails Jerry Rice in all those categories in the whole history of the NFL. So it's not a bad person to trail when you're a tight end. Um, so yeah, I think Kelsey's going to be key. We'll see what they do. They probably go CJ Gardner Johnson on him, I would imagine. But uh, yeah, he'll be key. In terms of the rest of the Chiefs, it's, it's all going to be health. Like I said, Juju had an incredible season in the last five weeks. Been very anonymous since he had a concussion. He had a concussion, hurt his shoulder. Now he's hurt his knee. So that's a little bit of a worry for you, for, for a Chiefs fan. But Anyone who listens to the Full 10 Yards Betting Podcast knows that I am the captain of Kadarius Tony Fan Club. So if that man can get on the field, <laughs> he is the man who will most likely have the 100-yard game if he can play enough snaps. But um, I think for, for both teams, one of the weapons is going to be the running backs. Both teams are awful at guarding against the running backs. Steve will know that against wide receivers, tight ends, Eagles are incredible. But you throw the ball to a running back and they give up more yards than nearly every team in the NFL and Chiefs are basically closely followed behind them there. So. 
I think for me, both running back, sets of running backs catching the passes out the backfield is going to be key. And then we'll see which wide receiver two or three turns up. Um, I wouldn't mind it being Marquez having a Sammy Watkins game, like Dave said. But, <laughs> but yeah, we'll see. I think in terms of weapons, Eagles have clearly got the second and third best weapon. We can even that out. But um, yeah, I think they'll all play a big part in the game. Yeah, it certainly should be intriguing. You've kind of teed it up then in terms of the defences, so let's let's talk about that. Steve, obviously the Eagles, phenomenal in terms of pass rush. Like you say, obviously the, what the Chiefs will try and do is use that strength against them, as Liam's just described there. But talk us through this defence as a whole, mate, because like I say, it certainly caught the eye throughout the course of the season. Yeah, like like every Philadelphia defense over the last sort of decade or so, it starts in the trenches. They they've invested heavily in the pass rush this this season and, and over the last few seasons, and it's led to them having a great rotation. And I think that's what's so important about it is it's not just the same four guys rushing for for two or three downs every single play. They've got eight legitimate guys that can all rush off the pass. You know, the the four starting pass rushers on the edge: Hassan Reddick, Josh Sweat, Robert Quinn, and Brandon Graham. Now, that's not a bad group to have at all. You know, Quinn's. Quinn's obviously not getting any younger and hasn't really had too much of an impact. But when he's the fourth choice with the career that he's had, that's not bad at all. Um, you know, and then you've got guys on the interior like Fletcher Cox and, and Javon Hargreaves had a hell of a season. Milton Williams, who's had a quietly really good second half of the year. And then rookies in like Jordan Davis. And even the veterans they brought in like uh, Linval Joseph and, and Damagon Soup. That's a really, really stacked sort of defensive line room when you list off all those names. Um, and that's where I hope that they're going to start to pressure Mahomes. Like you said, Liam, I, you sort of, you took the words out of my mouth, I think, where they're going to find some joys on the edges rather than in the interior. Like those those three in the interior are really, really good. And I don't know if Hargrave or Cox will have much success rushing through the interior. But where they might do is is Hargrave, um, is Hassan uh, Reddick and Josh Sweat and the guys off the edge. Because um, so far, Reddick, I think, has, has, has certainly put his name in the hat. For, if, if you had a a post-season MVP so far, I think it's Hassan Reddick is up there. Um, with the impact that he's had on the game, you know, he, he swallowed up Brock Birdie within like three plays of the game starting <laughs> last week. Um, and if he does that again, you know, it it shows when, uh, a couple of weeks ago, when Mahomes hurt his, his leg, if he gets caught, sometimes he tries to extend the play too much and that's what causes some of these injuries that he's had throughout his career. So, that's one of the ways that the Eagles are going to be looking to to, to sort of um, influence this game. But I think one of the crucial parts for Philadelphia is they have to finish. And by that, I mean that they have to finish plays because Mahomes is so good at extending the drive and extending the play and finding that extra yard or two, that extra second for him to get the ball out. And as soon as he gets the ball out, you just know when it's Mahomes. As soon as he gets the ball out, before the camera's even panned, you can see it's going to Kelsey or it's going to a receiver. And you just know it's a, a completion. Even when they, like... He'll be wrapped up by Brandon Graham and he'll be going down and he'll get the ball out and you just know it's a reception. So the Eagles have to finish. Um, I saw a stat earlier, let me just find it, is that the Chiefs, or, or Mahomes, because he started every game this year, has only been sacked 3.8 times on the passing players, which is second only to the books, 2.8%, sorry. Uh, sorry, 3.8%, sorry. Um, which is incredible. Like, that just shows how good he is at evading and how good he is extending the play. The Eagles have got to finish if they're going to do that. But I'd say if there's any team in the league that can do it, it's the 70-sack Philadelphia Eagles, you know, third third most in, in league history. So that's where it all begins. But then also a shout to the secondary, I think, 
the the Chiefs weapons, Kelsey's going to be a problem because the Eagles linebackers are not good at man coverage. <laughs> and that's where I think Kelsey will have some joy. I think TJ Edwards and Kaiser White are going to be picked on. I think that's where they're going to have issues. I think they might put Chauncey Gardner-Johnson up against him because, as you know, Dave, Chauncey's really good in, in man coverage. He's a physical guy. He's a bit taller as well than your average slot corner. So they might put him up against Kelsey. But where the where the Chiefs, I think they might struggle is on the edges. Because Darius Slay and James Bradbury, that's one hell of an outside cornership, cornerback partnership. Um, and that's where I think that they might be some players to be made um, if, if them two can have good games. Um, over the top, you know, the Eagles haven't given up too many big splash players this year. And if they're, you know, obviously Tyreek Hill's no longer there, but the Chiefs, again, emphasise my earlier point, have, have, um, have managed to amass, I found earlier, have managed to amass just over 2,500 yards after contact this season, which is the most for any offence in the last 15 years. That's how good the Chiefs have been when they've uh, after they've caught the ball. So that's what, again, the Eagles have to finish. They have to tackle well. And there's been spots this season where the Eagles have not tackled well. So, again, yeah, there's going to be... Like you said earlier, Liam, the, the Chiefs this year have been really good at sort of dink and dive. Like little five, six, seven-yard passes just to keep the play going. And if it takes... You know, if it takes 14 players rather than seven or eight, then that, you know, Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes won't mind that at all. If it gets them down the field and it gets them scores, they will not mind that at all. No, indeed. I love these stats that Steve plucks out of the air for these podcasts. They're phenomenal. I was I was wondering how somebody got 3.8 sacks for a moment, but he even cleared <laughs> that one up for me. Sorry, so. 3.8%. No, it was brilliant, mate. I loved it. I love the idea of 0.8 of a sack. I mean, that would be it. <laughs> Five guys around him. (laughs) (laughs) Liam, let's look at the Chiefs side of it. Like we said earlier, you know, it's a a unit that's certainly improved over the last few years. You know, it it always felt as though it was the offence had just scored more points than the opposition. But certainly, I think now it's it's middle of the pack in terms of statistically. But, you know, that's obviously a huge improvement from where it was, mate. Yeah, definitely. And it's a bit of an interesting one with the Chiefs defence because they're so young. If you look at the first eight weeks, they're basically 28th to 32nd in everything. So when you take the fact that they're now somewhere between 11th and 16 on most advanced stats, that is incredible. Basically, from week 12, they've been the sixth best defence in the league, which is crazy when you just feel about this this team. And the offence did have a couple of bad games down the stretch that the defence managed to to carry them in. But yeah, they're very, very young, which means you get five or six incredible plays and then you will get that one kind of coverage bust from a seventh round corner that we're just expecting to happen. So um, I think that will still happen probably towards someone like an AJ Brown type, a big physical, strong outside receiver. Um, but I think in general, uh, the Chiefs defense is going to fall down to to Chris Jones uh, and then the DC Spags. Spags is one of the best one game plan gamers in the NFL. Look what he just did to Joe Burrow last year. He had basically the worst half he's ever had by EPA for playing football um, when we played five rookies in the start and secondary, basically. So um, for me, I think it's up to Spags. I know that I was reading some stats earlier and um, when you don't blitz, Jalen Hurts is the fourth best quarterback in the league by EPA per play. When you do blitz, he's the 27th. So when you've got a man like Spags who only blitzes, I feel like that's probably going to be a heavy part of the game plan, which I'm sure the Eagles know. Uh, and then it's going to be when does he time his moments to not blitz and just sit there and just make Hurts kind of be patient and, and make a throw. So I think Spags will be key. And then it's very similar, really, the other way around. I think the Eagles' edges are going to get a lot of joys on on our tackle. But I also think that, apart from probably Jason Kelsey, Chris Jones is going to get a lot of joy on the interior. So it almost feels like the best pass rusher on each team has probably got the best matchup uh, in the game. So I feel like if Chris Jones can win some battles like he did against the Bengals, then um, 
I think you'll see some drives where it's just three and out because Chris Jones has maybe got a tackle for loss and then he's got a sack on, on third down. But yeah, I expect them to be able to move the ball on the ground and it's just how patient does Sirianni stay? If he stays patient with the run and the Chiefs don't go up early, then I think the Eagles' offense will be great. But if they fall behind and have to pass it a little bit, then that's when you'll see Spags start chucking some some exotic looks at Hurts to try and confuse him. And I did have one point as well on the on the Eagles. This is if this was like a Bengals podcast, I'd be slagging the other team off nonstop because I hate the Bengals. But I actually quite like the Eagles. So I'm being pro Eagles in general, but uh, their DC is one of the worst DCs against top quarterbacks and I know there's a lot made of the schedule but it's a bit of an easy schedule both teams have had an easier schedule than, than people think um, but for me I do think Patrick Mahomes can can light them up from a scheme perspective they just leave a lot of holes in zones because they're so good they've got so many good players they don't need to have a perfect scheme they can just sit there and make you dink and dunk but if you let Kelsey and Mahomes dink and dunk then that's when they kill you so if I was an Eagles fan I'd want to see uh, Gannon kind of mix it up a little bit on the Chiefs and see who can win the battle of the DCs you're absolutely right. Last season, especially, they got torn up by a number of like really good quarterbacks. Whenever a good quarterback rolled into town, they just got absolutely torn up. So yeah, that's a spawn analysis there. I think that's that's one of my worries is that we haven't really faced <laughs> a really really good quarterback yet, and uh, that yeah. could be one main concern. Yeah, I'll add as well. Both linebacker cores are going to get absolutely torched in coverage. <laughs> both of them. Like, if you big want any tight end, there, big yeah, tight end, tight end, <laughs> and whoever plays in the slot, so. Tony or Juju, and then probably for you guys, I'd imagine that Devontae Smith's going to play out the slot quite a bit. They're going to have big days because these linebackers are good against the run, but yeah, they can't cover Josh, let alone cover Travis Kelsey. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'll tell you what, fellas, it sounded to me like we've got two really elite defences, but the way you've just talked about it there, it seems like it's going to be a shootout and points galore all over the place. So, Dave, I'm looking for you to win me some money, mate. Give me a DFS lineup for Sunday because I have got a new job which I start tomorrow. Thank the Lord. If I could win a million quid on Sunday, I could easily pack it in. Oh, we're going to get a Patriots Ram Super Bowl, aren't we? <laughs> yeah. oh, I'm desperate for it to be a good game. Uh, DFS at a Super Bowl, I, or you know, a standalone game, I always find just to be an absolute mind bender. But what I've had a look at, this is through DraftKings of the DFS are available. Uh, captaining Jalen Hurts, and then in your five flex slots, Travis Kelsey, Jerick McKinnon, Devonta Smith, Juju, you're welcome, Liam. Assuming he's healthy. And then, because at this point you're basically out of uh, money, I've put Quez Watkins in there. Because <laughs> that's just the total wild card. You know, could be Quez, could be Zach, wrong first name terms. Uh, <laughs> could, 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 could be Sky. But yeah, those are the six I've gone with. And it's an equal split as well. So you've got your three Eagles, your three Chiefs as well. And uh, what I would absolutely love to see, though, is both Kelsey brothers score a touchdown. If we have a Philly special read, oh, 2.0. There's surely a market for that, right? Yeah, you I can think, bet it, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean you wouldn't. Because imagine if Jason got one and Travis didn't. <laughs> it would be absolutely <laughs> devastated. <laughs> I bet it's only something like 12 to 1 with score request a bit or something, the title, <laughs> yeah. isn't it? So, yeah, just to recap, Jalen Hurts is a captain, so he gets, obviously, uh, 50% extra points, but costs 50% more. And then Travis Kelsey, Jarrett McKinnon, Devonta Smith, Juju Smith-Schuster, and Quez Watkins. And don't blame me when it's a 13-3 
Well, we defense, ne- defense gets the only touchdown of the game. You should have started your kickers kind of game. Yeah, we would never blame you, my friend. We would never blame you. We're going to set up a. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we get, We are going to set up a full ten yards DFS game for Sunday. So it'll only be a couple of dollars. It'll only be a fun one. But if you do want to get involved, uh, you, you at least know who Dave's picking now. So uh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> or, you am or am I? Or am I? Mind games. So, yeah, so we'll have a bit of fun with that on Sunday. But obviously, there's only one result that does matter. DFS will be a nice bonus. But it's all about the game itself, fellas. We've gone through both of the teams in a fair bit of detail. So, let's go through who we're picking and why. I might as well start with the two supporters because I think we probably know which way they're both going to go. So, well, let's start with them. You know, we might be surprised. Liam, let's start with This is where they say the other team. Yeah, Yeah, I'm not that uh, that nice. Yeah. yeah, I've been umming and ahhing between two scores because you asked for a score, so I couldn't even just say Chiefs win. I had to think about this for an actual how many touchdowns and field goals that were going to be scored. So I've gone with 35-24 to the Chiefs. Uh, Patrick Mahomes probably throws for 350 yards, game of his life on a bad ankle. And this is probably, as a fan of Michael Jordan, this is probably my moment where I talk about him all summer as Michael Jordan. So, yeah, that's what I'm going for. But I think it'll be either that or 35, like 27. It's going to be a close game going into the fourth quarter. And I think that um, Chiefs maybe score late just to, to, to tie it up. But, yeah, I'm sure Steve will disagree with me. Go on, Steve. The floor is yours. Well, I agree. I think it'll be a tight game. I think it's going to be up and down all game. I think just like the Eagles, Patriots was. Um, I don't think any team is going to going to roll out with a big lead. Um, Super Bowls are usually like that anyway. It's a nervous affair. No one really wants to make a mistake. So um, I can't not pick the Eagles. I think when I look at it, that they edge it just on the roster. I think the defense is is good. I don't know how Mahomes is going to tear them up, but I think the I've got a lot of faith in the pass rush. I've said it all along this whole year, and look what they did to the last two teams and you know the supposedly best defense in the league in the uh, in um, San Francisco got absolutely trounced when they came into Philadelphia last week. So I think it'll be a close one. I think it'll be closer than what you said. I think something like 31-28, something like that. Um, I think it's going to be a real tight game. Um, I think the game will be, like you said, Josh, I think it'll be won and lost on the ground. Um, I could see the Eagles rushing for sort of 150 plus yards um, and sort of three rushing touchdowns. I don't think there's going to be many in the air on the Eagles side of the ball. They'll only throw it when they have to, but I think there'll be a big splash play as well. I think they'll, they'll hit AJ Brown down the field for sort of 50 plus yards. Um, I can see that happening too. I think my connection just dropped off, but I think I've just dropped back on. You just finished there, didn't you, Steve? I think yeah, I just yeah, yeah, we're all good. I think I just timed that quite nicely. <laughs> yes, do it all again, Steve. If it, wasn't live, if it wasn't live, I could have gone to the trouble of editing it out, but sod it, we're nearly finished. So, Dave, let's move straight on to you, buddy. Before I go into my prediction, who can tell me the last time the Vegas underdog won the Super Bowl? Ooh, it's, like, it's like seven in a row without, isn't it? Something like that. It's... Wouldn't it have been Philly the last time that they'd won it would have been the underdog? Absolutely, yeah. Mm. Patriots are favoured by five in that game. Ten points to that man. Uh, so you'd think that you know, you've got to go with the trend. But no, I'm going to go with the Chiefs. Sorry, Steve. And, uh, but well, aren't the Eagles favoured? I think they are favoured, yeah, by, so, like, by one and a half, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Which did you can make the argument that it's surprising either way. If the Chiefs are favoured by one and yeah. a half, you go, Oh, really? I think the Eagles should be favoured. Yeah, yeah. But that's how close the game is. I think that this is almost trying to speak it into existence. 
that it's going to be a field goal game and I want it to be 41-38. I want I mean, points. that ain't going to happen. Come I want on. points. Have you not been yeah. listening to this podcast at all? We've got flipping tight ends making the most amount of yards. We've got rushing game being important. We've got a quarterback with a lame leg. And you're talking like 90-odd points. <laughs> Eagles Patriots was 41-33. And uh, I'll tell you what, if it ends up as 41-38 to the Eagles instead, I'll be devastated. But (laughs) uh, um, 41-38 Chiefs, because I'm just trying to speak it into existence. I want this to be as good as it could be. And it could be brilliant. Well, sign me up for your Super Bowl, mate, because that sounds like a cracker to me. Josh, go on then, put some perspective on it. Give us the 10-3 scoreline. I was going to say, yes, allow me to put a complete dampener on this entire podcast. Uh, You've heard the reasons why already, you know, and I've just reeled them off as well. It doesn't sound like a game that is going to have juggernaut offenses this sounds like it's going to be tactical it sounds like there's going to be a lot of time taken off the clock um you know both defenses are good the main holes being middle of the park so we're talking you know um you know looking to just keep the down marker ticking over to me this screams like a 27 23 game um i have it for the eagles rather than the chiefs and this is the first time that i've actually mm. said that oh, for, liam to be fair all the last week i was on board with the chiefs and then i've sort of had a had an odd change and steve will tell you i have not been on the eagles train all year pretty much um i've kind of tried to temper it all the way through i just think it's about the injuries more than anything else um and you know it gets to this time of year and you just start thinking that you know are they healthy enough to do this and it's usually the healthier team that wins out but i can easily also see kelsey game and travis being the one that gets the ticker tape you know he ends up getting that touchdown right at the end head headlines all the rest of it you know i can see that being and I hate to use this, but almost scripted. But, you know, that would be one way in which I see the Chiefs doing this. Um, but, uh, no, I'm, I'm going to have Eagles by, by a few, but for a lot lower points than anybody else seems to be uh, speaking into existence. You've still gone for 50 points, so that's still a decent scoring game, to be fair. I think the over-under's at 51, so you're not far off the over-under there, I think. Um, so, yeah, I think I think it's going to be high scoring. I think the two defences are good, but I think it's, it's mainly about what the offences can do. And I think the guys have sort of summed it up quite well, that I think they've both got strengths to attack the other team's defences. Um I think it will probably come down to the quarterbacks. And it's that question I started the podcast with. He's a 90% Patrick Mahomes better than a 100% Jalen Hurts. I think he probably is. Um, and I think that is why I'm probably just about favour the Chiefs in it. I think we are all probably in the same ballpark, though, of it probably being a single score that probably does decide it. And I wouldn't be surprised at all if there are lead changes in the fourth quarter. Wouldn't even be surprised if it goes to overtime, potentially. It would be the second one ever to get to, to overtime, wouldn't it? And wouldn't that be poetic if the new overtime rules came into play <laughs> with the Chiefs in the Super Bowl? So I'm going to go I'm going to go for the Chiefs to win it by 31 points to 20. I think it'll be a field goal game 
Um, so, yeah, we are all expecting it to be a cracker, that is for sure. Um, that wraps up our preview pod from the main full 10 yards NFL podcast. Liam and the guys will be back with the betting markets later on in the week when it probably becomes a little bit clearer on the injury front. Um, so we'll see how those lines move, as we say, as we record this tonight on Monday. It is the Eagles favoured by one and a half. So, like I say, we'll see how, uh, how things are affected as the week progresses. We'll be back next Monday, probably. I'll say probably because we will uh, we'll, we'll see how the schedules pan out. But we'll certainly be back at some point next week to break it all down. We hope everybody enjoys it. Um, you know, thank you for all of your support throughout the course of the season. If you're finding us for the first time tonight, make sure you tell your friends to like, share, and subscribe. It all really does help. Um, you know, we put a lot into this to try and bring you the best coverage that we can on a week-to-week basis, but we are essentially just a group of guys that love the NFL. We don't get paid for this or anything like that. We just enjoy doing what we do and having a chat about ball. So get involved with the DraftKings stuff. We'll get that set up and share it on all the socials. My thanks to Josh, to Liam, to Dave, to Steve. Good luck to the two fellas that have got dogs in the race on Sunday. And like I say, everybody, make sure you do enjoy Super Bowl Sunday. It'll be the last NFL action we get for 30 miserable weeks. So enjoy the rest of your week. Enjoy the Super Bowl. We'll be back next week. This has been the Full 10 Yards NFL Podcast. We'll be right back.